Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Wow, isn't that incredible? I just want to say thank you so much for being the most generous church in all of Central Florida and for blessing so many boys and girls, so many families with the love of Jesus this Christmas. So amazing. I want to invite you also, you and your family, to join us on Christmas Eve for our special communion service. It's going to be an amazing night as we gather together to worship the Lord and celebrate the moment that Jesus stepped out of heaven and came down to earth on a search and rescue mission for people like you and me. Space is limited, so be sure to RSVP. The link is available on Facebook, on Instagram, and through email. Service will be at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve, and I'm so excited to see you. Many people are excited about New Year's coming this year for different reasons, ready to get out of 2020 or whatever, but I'm excited for the new year because it means we're about to begin 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is something we've done every single year of our church's existence. We set aside the very first part of the year, 21 days, to give God the first and the best part of our year. We're gonna push some things aside for a little while so that we can draw near to God. It's always an amazing time, and I'm sharing this because I wanna invite you to join us so that you can make plans to be a part this year of 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's gonna begin January 3rd and run through the 23rd. Let's take just a moment and pray together before we get in the Word today. Lord, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you that you love us so much that you sent your only son to find us so that we could know you. God, I pray today that you would speak to our hearts. God, we are ready to receive. So God, let your word go deep inside of us. Let it take root and produce fruit in us because we are good ground. And if you agree, let me hear you say amen. Today, the word of the Lord is the waiting game. Does anybody like waiting? Most people don't, you know. I know my own life, waiting is not on the top of my bucket list. I'm definitely growing in this area with patience and waiting, but sometimes, you know, like, I just don't want to wait. I just, I just want to get there already. I just, I just done. I'm like, I want to get to the end result. Anybody else like that? See, there's probably a little bit of Veruca salt, you know, from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and all of us. I want gooses and geeses and I want it now. You know, we don't like waiting. Even at the happiest place on earth, Disney, one of the main attractions is the line wait times. (laughs) And regardless of how much we pay to get into the park, if the line is too long, we don't want to wait for the ride. Thankfully, Disney knows this, and they have the Fast Pass platform, which is great, but you still have to wait, just not as much. What about in other areas of our lives, like our finances? People used to save up and wait to buy nice things until they had the money. But now, who can wait? Just put it on credit and pay for it later, right? Here in the United States, our whole culture is anti-waiting. We want instant results. We've got instant pots. We've got faster download speeds, pre-sale access, pre-release parties. At at restaurants, you know, 
How long is the wait for a table? If it's too long, I'm not waiting. At Starbucks, we got to wait for that salted caramel latte. You know, waiting for lunch to come while you're at work. Waiting in traffic. Waiting to check out at the grocery store. It seems like everywhere we turn, we have to wait. And most of the time, we don't really like it. We don't really want to wait. And I think maybe that's part of the problem is this whole idea of the consumer mentality or the, the customer mentality. See, when we're the customer, when we're the consumer, we're always right. Isn't that what good customer service has taught us? The customer's always right? But for many people, that simply means that they want to get what they want when they want it, regardless of the cost to others. And when we don't get what we want, we get angry, we throw a fit, we get upset, we're like, I'm never eating there again. Let me talk to the manager, you know, whatever else, because we're the customer and the product, the experience is exclusively for us. The problem is that this mentality then begins to spill over and affect all the other areas of our lives from how we raise our kids, how our kids behave, how we drive, even to how we serve and how we worship. See, the consumer mentality is spilled over even into the church and how we approach God in his word. Well, they didn't sing my favorite songs today, so I'm not worshiping. You know, I wasn't fed there, so I'm going to find somewhere else. Uh, they didn't high-five me. No one wanted to hug me when I came in. No one wanted to be my friend. They wouldn't let me do whatever I wanted. Like, and so people get upset, they get offended, they move from church to church, or maybe just stop going to church altogether. It's always someone else's fault, someone else's problem, and then their lives are just so unsettled because they're not planted, they're not rooted in the house of God. And more times than not, they end up disconnected from people, they're not rightly related to other believers. Why? Everything has become about them and their preferences. I want to say something that, that might shock somebody today. Christianity was never about our preferences. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Does anybody remember the, what the cross was? The place where Jesus died in, in, in horrific fashion? See, this, this idea of to follow Jesus is to deny our own selves, to take up our cross, like, it's reverse of what culture would tell us. Culture would tell us, make everything about you. If you like it, then it's for you. If you don't like it, you don't need that. But Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, then you must choose to lay down your own life. Lay down your preferences. Choose to pursue him and what he calls you to do over anything else. Sadly, the reality for many Christians is they become disappointed or frustrated or whatever, because they approach God and his word and even his church as if everything was for them, as if everything should line up with their preferences. They become spiritual consumers. I'm just glad right now to be surrounded and be talking to a bunch of Christians who recognize we're not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. That means we add value to others. We add value to the environments that God brings us into. We're not just there to take, take, take. No, we're there to add value to things. And did you know that God has amazing things that he wants to do in your life? Amazing things he wants to do through your life. In fact, the Bible is packed full of God's promises for you and your family and what he will do in your life and through you. But I've just discovered in my own experience that more often than not, there's a waiting process. 
before I fully receive the promise God has for my life. Now, I've seen miraculous things happen in a moment, and I do believe God works that way, but I also believe that God works in the waiting. And it's actually through the waiting, I believe that God develops something in us that can never be shaken. So today, I wanna look at four characteristics that we need in order to stand strong in the waiting so that we see the promise of God being fulfilled in our lives so that we don't end up unsteady and just tossed through to and fro and being deceived and being up and then being down. Like So if you've got a notebook or you've just got maybe a phone or a tablet, I hope you'll take some notes today so that this week you can come back to those notes, review, read the scriptures, pray through what God is speaking to you. And we don't have enough time today to really try and explain why God brings us through seasons where it seems like all we're doing is waiting. But rather than looking at just why, why don't we look at how do we respond in the waiting? What do we do while we're waiting? So here's four characteristics for us today. The first one is this. If we're going to stand strong in the waiting, we need to build faith and silence doubt. How do we respond when we're waiting? When we don't see the promise happen in a single moment, we build up our faith in God and his promises, and we silence the voices of doubt. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is part of the Christmas story, and it's where we see the birth announcement about Jesus and his cousin, John the Baptist. And if you thought creative gender reveals were original, <laughs> it comes from the Bible right here. I want to focus on two main characteristics today who experienced a whole lot of waiting in their lives. It's Zechariah, and the other character is Mary. In Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So here's two Jewish people, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They love God with their whole heart. They're doing everything they can to live righteously, obeying God's command, everything they could to be good people. They're involved in their church. Even Zechariah is ministering before the Lord. He's working at the church, and yet they weren't able to have any kids. They lived a lifetime waiting for the blessing of God, waiting, praying to have children. I'm sure they prayed extensively. I'm sure they knew the story of Abraham and Sarah who had Isaac when they were old. I'm sure they had shed lots of tears together. And I'm sure there was heartache, even ridicule from others. Have you ever known what it's like not to see your promise of what you're believing God for? Maybe it's a spouse you've been praying that they would come to know Christ or a lost loved one. Maybe you have grown children and you've been praying and believing that they would come to know Christ. And right at the moment for them to be able to step into what God has for them, it seems like they turn and go the other direction. Maybe you've been believing God for a new job. You've been pursuing that or just an increase in your finances, a raise. And it seems like every time you turn around the corner, somebody else got the raise, somebody else got the promotion, and you're over there like, God, what's going on? Maybe you've been believing for healing for you or for a loved one emotionally or physically. And it just seems like the more you pray, you feel like you're spinning your wheels. And you're like, God, I thought that you were going to heal me. And it seems like you haven't received your promise. See, that's where Zachariah and Elizabeth lived their entire lives, waiting and not 
receiving the promise that they believe in for. See, what's unique about their story, instead of getting discouraged, instead of giving disillusion, instead of pulling away, their faith remains strong in the middle of their waiting, in the middle of not seeing what they were believing God for. So what about you? What's the condition of your faith? See, our faith and our trust in God must run deeper than if he does exactly what we want, when we want, or whether we even see it at all. See, if our faith isn't stronger, like we won't be able to stand and, and we'll find ourselves actually drawn away from our Heavenly Father. I believe it's time for us to strengthen and deepen our faith in our Heavenly Father. So now it's Zachariah's time to minister before the Lord in the temple. He was chosen to go inside, burn incense before the Lord. No one else was in there with him. And everyone else is outside praying. So Big Z goes inside and starts doing what he's supposed to do. Skip down to verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Yeah, because not only was he startled that someone else was in there with him, but it was an angel, right? And angels aren't fat little babies with little wings. Angels are majestic. They are the messengers of God, and I imagine they're quite impressive to look at. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. You look a little freaked out. Your prayer has been heard. Man, that's amazing. Did you know God hears when you pray too? He said, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their parents and to their children and to the disobedient, to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Come on, what an amazing promise. Not only will he have the son that he's prayed and believed for, but God is gonna use his son's life in mighty ways to bring people to know Christ. He's gonna be the one to go before the Messiah. And I mean, isn't, isn't that what we all hope for and desire as parents, that our kids would know God and serve him all the days of the life, that God would use their lives, that their lives would count for eternity? But despite this great news and this amazing promise from this angel and all the details that this promise contained, Zechariah had some questions. He asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is, is well along in years as well. Hey, clue guys right there, he's not calling his wife old. He found a better way to say it. But I love how the Passion Translation puts Zechariah's question. It says, how do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife too is old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? Verse 19, the angel's tone changes a little bit. Said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. You ever had one of those moments when you said something and as soon as the words left your mouth, you were like, why did I say that? I should not have said that. I'm pretty sure this was that moment for Zachariah. As soon as he said those words, 
man, everything changed. The angel's demeanor changed. The good news is like, oh, man. Like, and the angel's like, you want a sign? Like, I'm an angel standing before you. How much more sign do you need? But okay, how about this? How about you don't talk for almost a year until the baby's born? And then everyone will know that the word of God is true. How about that for your sign, Zachariah? And it's actually exactly what happened. Big Z wasn't able to speak until his son was born. Can you imagine what that would have been like when he got home and how he would have tried to explain this to Elizabeth, his wife? That's like ultimate charades right there, having to write it out somehow. You know, and ladies, don't be nudging your husband right now. I'm like, you better be careful. I'm going to pray that angel comes and visits you. You know, just just remember that angel came to announce a pregnancy and a baby. So, (laughs) but let's look now. That's the story of Zechariah. Let's look at the story of Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this was Zechariah and Elizabeth, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Man, again, what an amazing promise. Such great news. Mary's going to have a baby, and he's going to be the son of God. I mean, it's awesome, and it's so much detail in this promise. But much like Zechariah, Mary had questions, like, how will this be, she asked the angel, And since I'm a virgin. And while Mary's question sounds similar to the question Zechariah asked, there's actually a big difference between Zechariah's question and Mary's question. See, Zechariah is questioning, he's doubting that what the angel is telling him what actually happened. Like he believed his circumstance of being old and the lack of not having any kids. Like he believed more in that than he did in the promise, the good news from God. It's like his waiting had caused him to see his faith as more of what he could do and how he lived rather than believing that God's word was true, that God's promise would come to pass in his life. Mary, on the other hand, she's not questioning the possibility of what seemed impossible, but She's asking, okay, what's the next step? You said I'm going to conceive. Great. But what's the next step I need to take? See, the motive of Mary's question is revealed in the next step in the angel's answer. Verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born of you will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. For no words from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So the angel is giving her the how. Mary, like, here's what's going to happen next. So having questions is not a lack of faith. But the spirit that we've fostered and built inside of ourselves is showcased and displayed when God asks us to step out, when he, he brings good news or we, we see his promise, when we read his promise in the word. 
like the spirit of faith that we've built in us shows. Like, and if we've built faith and trust in God, then we may have questions, but like Mary, we're not questioning if, if God's word will happen, if he'll do what he said, but more of, okay, what's the next step? How will this happen? What do I need to do now? But if we haven't built faith in God and his word, and, and truthfully, all of us are building faith in something. Some are building their faith in social media or in their job, in their bank account, in their finances. Others are building their faith in a person or in a government or whatever else. If we haven't built our faith in God and his word, then when we hear the good news, when we hear God's promises, or he asks us to step out in faith, the questions are rooted in doubt. We don't believe it's really going to happen. Are you sure? How in the world could this ever happen? I don't see any way this would ever work out. When we choose to build a spirit of faith in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts, faith attracts the attention of God. It attracts His promises and blocks out fear and doubt. See, the other side is true as well, though. Doubt attracts fear and blocks out faith. Doubt cuts us off from the promises, even the presence of God. See, doubt will open the door to self-reliance and pride, where we trust ourselves more than God and his word, where we think we can just take care of everything on our own. I believe it's time for us as followers of Christ to deepen our faith in God and his word. More of him, less of us. Here's the next characteristic is patience. See, this is really the key issue in waiting is patience. I would define patience as being content in the meantime without all the answers or timetables. See, patience is, is staying faithful to God. So often what people do is they'll start to trust God in an area of their life or they'll start to believe Him for something and then they don't instantly see a change or see the results, everything happening all at once and so they get a little discouraged, a little bit of doubt here and there and before long. Rather than standing and staying faithful to God, they take control back. They stop believing, I guess this doesn't work. I need to figure this out on my own. What can I do to make this happen? And seeing both of these stories, Mary and Elizabeth, they were physically pregnant. And this was a visual representation of their waiting. There's no choice but to wait. You know, the baby has to grow, and yet this just takes months before they're ready to deliver. And they see and hold the promise that they had. See, patience is actually evidence of the Spirit of God working in our lives. Much like Mary and Elizabeth, the evidence was them being pregnant. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 tells us what the fruit or the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things, there is no law. So we got to ask ourselves the question, is there evidence or fruit of the Spirit of God working in my life? Those things will be evident in my life if there is. Whatever your answer is today, this is not a moment to feel bad or to feel condemned. This is a moment to, of hope, to turn, to invite the Holy Spirit to do a deep work in us today. Like it's time to uproot some attitudes in our heart, some things that we've been thinking of, some mindsets we've held onto that have actually been pulling us further away from God. But when we choose to humble ourselves before him, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for his help, man, he pours out his grace in our lives in such abundance. In other words, he rushes in with everything of him to help us to overcome. 
Here's the third characteristic. Be around the right people. In our story today, can you imagine the moment the angel left Mary? The realization of what was about to happen? She was not married. She was just engaged and she was about to be pregnant. And all the thoughts of what people would say, what people would think, how no one would probably understand or believe her story. But I love that she made a bold decision to change the environment she was in and who she was around. It says that she went to stay with her cousin, Elizabeth. See, the people that we're around and the environments that we choose to be in shape who we are and what we can grow into more than just about anything else. Let me say it this way. Your crew determines your view. So if you want to become a more wealthy person, then you need to hang around and spend a lot of time with wealthy people. If you want to become a more grateful person, you need to hang around some people who are extremely grateful. If you want to become a critical person, you need to hang around some people who are critical and always pointing fault at other people. If you want to be a faith-filled person, you need to get around some people who are full of the, the faith uh, in God's and His promises. You need to get in some environments that strengthen and build you up in your faith. If you want to live your life with purpose, you need to get around some people who will invest in you, who are living their lives every day to help someone else that then they can help you develop and use the gifts God has put inside of you. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 makes it so clear. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. See, it was there in Zechariah and Elizabeth's house that Mary received strength. Her, her faith was built up. She was encouraged because she saw the evidence of God working in that place. It was there her faith was built up and there was confirmation of God's word working in her life. And, and if you and I are going to stand strong while we're waiting, we need the right people in our lives and we need to be in the right environments too. See, what's crazy in the story is that when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she named him John, just like the angel instructed her. But the friends in her life all tried to talk her out of doing what God had told her to do. Isn't that interesting? Like, it's so important for us then to recognize who we're letting close be in our lives. Come on, like we've got to be on the lookout for some warning signs because some people know how to talk a really good talk. They, they know how to seem like a really good person or Christian on the outside, but then they complain, they grumble, they're making jokes about people, cutting people down all the time. There's no faith in them, in God's word. They re refuse to be under authority or maybe they're easily offended. I'm not saying we can't be friends with people or we can't talk to anybody because no one is perfect, including you, including me. But we've got to be careful about who we allow to be close relationships in our lives. We're talking about characteristics that help us stand strong in the waiting so that we see the promises of God in our lives. Number one, build faith and silence doubt. Number two, we need patience. Number three, we need to be around the right people. And here's the last one today. Worship and praise keep us focused on the Father. When we're waiting, it's so easy to get distracted or discouraged, even to become focused on things other than God and His Word. And it seems like sometimes the longer we wait, it can feel harder and harder to stay focused, to keep believing, to keep standing firm. I've just learned that in the waiting, worship and praise are key to keeping my focus on God and His promise. Right? Because whatever I elevate, whatever I 
worship is what I'm focusing on, is what's made clear in my lives. When we start to worship and praise, it begins to shift my focus off of everything else and on to God. When we worship and praise, the atmosphere in the room, wherever you are, literally begins to change. So if your mind ever feels flooded with worry, doubt, or anxiety, or maybe you just feeling overwhelmed at work in a moment, or you got a big decision and then feel, you feel confusion, I would encourage you, put on a worship or a praise song you, on your phone or whatever. Just put it on, close your eyes, and just begin to worship Him. Just, just block everything else. Just, just one song, like it will change things in that moment. See, Mary, she stayed in Elizabeth's house for months, and now she's starting to show she's been pregnant for a few months, and I'm sure she was starting to be worried about what people would say, what would Joseph say, what are her parents going to say, what are they going to do to her? But she began to worship and praise. You can read Mary's song of worship and praise in verses 46 through 55. Even Zechariah, after his son John was born, he would speak again, but before he would say anything else, he immediately began to sing, to give God praise. See, worship and praise really shows what's first in my life. Where True worship of God is essentially a matter of what's in my heart and, and is my spirit rooted in the knowledge of God's word. Praise then is an outward expression of what's happened inside of me, in my heart. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus gives us what I consider a worship checklist. What are we worshiping? See, there was a religious person who was, who was good. They came and asked him and said, what is the most important command from God? Jesus responded and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So love God with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It's a worship checklist for us. See, the truth is our worship is going somewhere. Where is it going? Many times we think, man, I'm worshiping God fully, but if, if, if our lives aren't lining up with how Jesus said we should be worshiping, then maybe our worship isn't going fully to God. See, I don't believe God minds us having loves and passions and things in this life, but he does mind when we love and worship those things more than him. So let's give ourselves a worship checkup today and reveal in our hearts what we're worshiping the most. Jesus said, worship him with all of your heart and soul. That's our affections, our emotions. So where do your emotions go to? Are they all over the map? Are they connected to things, you know? like, Or what do we love the most? It's indicators of what we're worshiping. Our mind, we worship him with all of our mind. It's our attention. What are you thinking about the most? Truth is, whatever we think about the most quickly becomes what we worship. That's why scripture tells us to meditate on the word, to renew our minds by changing what we think about the most. He said, love the Lord your God with all of your strength. That's our abilities, our talents. And isn't it funny how much time and energy we put into so many different activities? And those things can be really good. We should enjoy this life. But if we're not careful, enjoyment, activities, balance, all those kinds of things, can steal our worship away from God. So the question is, what are we doing for God? What do we do the most? This is why we need the Holy Spirit so badly in our lives to help keep us on track so we don't get pulled off, we don't get deceived. And uh, he, So he comes and he starts speaking to us about areas in our lives, shining a light in some things that are deep in our hearts that maybe we have moved ahead of God in our lives. 
I believe this is a day to not just have God on a list of things in our lives, but to move him to the top of the list. That he would be first in our lives and overall in our lives. So let's just begin to do this today. Would you jump up on your feet wherever you are? Let's begin to worship the Lord today. Begin to give him praise. Begin to give him thanks for what he's done in your life. Lord, right now we just magnify your name. We're so grateful, God, for all you do for us, that you give us breath in our lungs. Lord God, that you give us life today. God, we're so thankful for all that you do. And God, right now I pray for each and every person, Lord God, wherever we are, Lord God, that you begin to move in us. Holy Spirit, shine a light in us where maybe we've gotten pulled off track. Things have gotten out of order in our lives and something has crept in and stolen our worship away from you, God. We just take this moment right now, God, to just repent to you. God, we thank you for your word that says every time we repent and turn, you are faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us. So God, I pray for your mercy and grace to flood every heart and mind right now because you're so full of compassion for us. God, I pray there would be no condemnation, Lord God, but instead we would be drawn to you through gratefulness and humility. God, I pray today where there's been doubt in our hearts, Lord God, that today faith has been strengthened, that we're not going to be pulled aside, but we're going to silence the voice of doubt and let faith rise up. We're going to be people who hold on to your promises, and we're going to see your word working in our lives. Lord, I thank you for strength inside of my friends right now, strength to continue to stand strong, continue in the waiting, Lord God. We're not going to give up on your word. We're going to hold tight until the end. We are going to be those that overcome until the end. And so, God, I thank you today. I thank you, Lord God, that your word never fails, Lord God, that your word is working in us. So God, we just allow your spirit to work in us, that there would be evidence of your spirit working in our lives. God, I thank you for an increase of patience and faithfulness and gratefulness in the days ahead. I want to pray for a second group of people today. Those who are here and you're you're in this battle right now because there's part of you that, man, is drawn towards God. You recognize, man, there's something missing in my life and I've been trying to fill it with so many things that I've tried to do maybe good things or maybe you're the one like I've done a lot of bad things and you're just everywhere you're like I I don't know if God would even want me can I tell you you are the one that God wants he loves you so much that's why he sent Jesus here at Christmas time we celebrate Jesus being born as a baby coming to this earth to grow up as a human just like you so he could experience all the pain all the heartache, everything that we would go through so that he could be the one to say, I know what it's like, but I have healing for you. I have salvation for you. And what it takes is this right here. You don't have to be perfect. You don't need to put it all together. It's just to say, God, I give you my life fully. It's nothing more. Just saying, God, I need you in my life. I submit to you. You are my savior and my Lord. And right now, man, this is your moment. This is the moment to say, yes, I need it. If that's you, you're saying, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Christ today. Maybe you've known him in the past, but you've just gotten away from God. And today you're ready to recommit your life to him. Man, and this is the moment to make the decision of saying, yes, include me in this prayer today. I want to give my life to Christ. You can click to raise your hand right there. or You can type the name Jesus in the chat. Wherever you are today, can we just take a moment and pray out loud all together with those who are lifting their hands? Would you repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to save me. 
Today I give you my life, my heart, my soul. Everything I have is yours. Thank you for giving me new life so I could follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, man, in just that moment, the Spirit of God came inside of you. He put His power, He poured out His love in your life. You are His son, you are His daughter. So let me say, welcome to the family. And I'd love to have the privilege of just encouraging you in your faith, praying with you. Would you send me a direct message or send me an in email to info at victoryorlando.com. Thank you so much for being here with us today. We'll see you next week right here for Church Online.